They saved your life. I think so. I think several times, probably. Wow. The good news is those nurses, I told them, I said, you guys saved my life and uh, I can't really return the favor, but you get free blueberries for life. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. A very scary freak incident almost killed Steve Paybody. He's our guest this week. He and his wife founded and owned Triple Wren Farms in Ferndale, Washington, producing various veggies and some fruit and blueberries and a lot of flowers, dahlias and other flowers. That's kind of their claim to fame. He came from no farming background and worked his way into being one of the biggest flower producers in the area. And he has an incredible story to tell, including that scary episode where he almost lost his life, but bounced back and it's changed his perspective. So join me in this conversation with Steve Paybody at Triple Wren Farms. I'm Dylan Honkoop. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast, documenting my journeys around Washington State to get to know the real people behind our food. Friend of mine, a friend of mine, his wife's always posting, right? So yep. he posted one uh, picture on Instagram. Yeah. She's a flower farmer as well. And he's looking down. He goes, this is what my opinion is of all my wife's photos. Like, oh, my poor flowers. <laughs> Said, yeah, that's that's spot on, man. Spot on. Hey, but if it works, if it sells the flowers, <laughs> right? Yeah, 27,000 Instagram followers. It's, it's got to be working. How did you guys do that? We just post pictures of, uh, well, two things. Two things. Number one, we have an amazing flower field. Yeah. And as um, we can see here. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, my wife's photography. But then a lot of what she's done the last couple of years is we've just kind of shared our heart. So yeah. where, uh, you know, where she may be learning some personal things or, you know, we just navigate some sticky situations. She just kind of shares that. I think that really kind of connects with people. So they, they get excited about that. So, but without good photography, I don't, I don't, I don't know. If, <laughs> Never it's all about the photography, yeah. especially on the gram. Yeah, it, yeah, on Instagram for sure. So, and you're, I mean, you're a farmer here. You're a flower farmer. We're going to hear all about the farm, but you didn't start farming, right? <laughs> I didn't. Wait, wait, what'd you, what were you doing professionally before you decided to become a farmer? So I actually uh, went to school for theology. Really? And, uh, yes. And so I uh, uh, worked at um, some uh, ministries, uh, yeah. Christian camp, uh, yeah. and then I was in the pastorate for a little while. And then um, it was just a brief time where I was between uh, really God's direction in my life. And um, a friend of mine offered me a, a, a chance to babysit their orchard. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I said, hey, I don't know anything about apples. Uh, but even worse, I don't know anything about farming. I don't know anything about agriculture. I don't even know anything about business, right? I, I really just... <laughs> So he asked if I would uh, maintain his property and um, watch over his orchard and run the whole operation. So um, meanwhile, my wife picked up a book at uh, the library and it says uh, flower farmers, uh, how you can how you can be a flower farmer. And she thought, yeah. oh, that's that's awesome. She showed it to me and I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to run this orchard and we're going to grow vegetables and be yeah. market farmers. Uh, and um, I didn't sell a lot of vegetables. And so where was this? It was right in Ferndale, Ferndale, in, Washington. Okay. Yeah. 
And so um, while I was busy trying to figure out how to grow apples and how to keep everything alive, uh, she was reading flower farmer books and it just, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I think it kind of ignited in something in her where she was like, hey, yeah, I always thought it would be cool to grow a lot of flowers and maybe can do it profitably. And we sold every stem she grew and mm-hmm. uh, what the rabbits didn't eat of my vegetables, we composted whatever we couldn't consume ourselves. And yeah. so I knew that that was not the future for me. And so um, started growing flowers and it um, just kind of took off from there. And now obviously... Yeah, how did how did you get this farm? Well, like that, that's uh, one of the hardest parts is to get in to get some ground to grow stuff on. It right? it is it is, and uh, in the beginning, um, when we were just watching somebody else's property and kind of doing this as an experiment, um, we didn't really think that we would ever own our own place. Um, so we just started looking around, started talking to farmers here in Whatcom County that know uh, about what ground is good and what's important. Uh, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with farmers, and they say, if I could do it all over again. <laughs> I would make sure I had right? 100% water rights. That's probably the yeah. first thing that everybody tells me. Have water rights. And then um, know what kind of soil you, you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, another smart farmer uh, told me, you should grow whatever your soil is, uh, uh, is set up to grow already. Don't try to grow uh, yeah. you know, broccoli in Whatcom County. <laughs> it's going to be a tough run. <laughs> So, I hear that it can be done. Yeah, and I know on the right soil. There and there's some great farmers who do that. But yeah, <laughs> even in the flower world, there are some flowers that like a a, a thick, heavy soil, yep. and there are some flowers that don't. And so we're on this beautiful uh, uh, berry soil. It's got that Lindale loam and that trope loam, and uh, I got a little bit of pegmore muck as my property slopes down to the mm. peat bogs over there. But um, yeah, I'm I'm I don't do good with uh, uh, flowers that need that thick, heavy, chunky stuff. I do stuff uh, that grow beautiful on this loam. And uh, as you can see, something's working. They're doing all right. <laughs> they're doing, Something they're, is working. They're doing just fine, yeah. So yeah. talk about that journey. You get this piece of land at some point and start. I mean, what was your philosophy going into this? Like how, how much was it just piece at a time and how much was there like an overarching plan of this is where we want to get to? Yeah. Um, so the story of how we got it or... It is an adventure. E- I don't want to one. bore you with that. But, no, either uh, one. No. Well, I mean, we, okay, so, we're here to hear the details. Okay. So All the gory details. Should I drop names? Is that, <laughs> do we want that too? <laughs> hey, okay. whatever you feel comfortable so with. So I, w- I, I got to be friends with uh, Randy Kraft yeah. um, with Barbie's Berries. Yep. And um, very graciously, he uh, answered about a billion of my questions like, hey, uh, I'm thinking about doing this. Or what do you think? Just even irrigation questions and just general knowledge that I should have had that I didn't. Yeah. That uh, he and just, again, I can name probably 30, 40 farmers that have just graciously looked at me like I look at my small children and patiently told them what's going on. Uh, so when I was talking about land, I, I knew that I probably should just find some farmers who knew the area and knew what might be available in a couple of years or what is a good place to look. And and Randy said, "Hey, you should uh, you should look at that property that the USDA is um, is uh, uh, up for foreclosure. And they're auctioning it off, mm-hmm. and they're looking for a new farmer, a young farmer, to come take it up. And um, it just worked out. We got in there right when they were closing it, and um, they did a, a, a like a raffle almost. And so we still had to pay for it, but." Uh, <laughs> 
we had the ability. It wasn't to, like two dollar ticket and I, uh, who who comes away with the property kind of thing. N- Not n- that kind of raffle. No, 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 no. I, okay. I wish it was that kind of raffle. No, but um, <laughs> they uh, they have a program uh, where some of their funds are allocated toward um, new farmers, young farmers, beginning farmers, uh, socially disadvantaged farmers, and um, if you've been farming for more than three years but less than ten years, you qualify as uh, you just need some help yeah. generally. Yeah. <laughs> And so uh, that's what that's how we got this property. And then um, uh, when we when we got here, we were still at the orchard. We were trying to do both. Uh, uh, we're trying to manage the orchard and trying to manage this. Trying to get this up and going. The um, it was a foreclosure, so the uh, property owners kind of took away everything that you think that may, they took the pump and they took uh, yeah took a lot of yeah. stuff. So, um, anyways, it took a lot longer to um, uh, redo the house. Mm-hmm. than I was anticipating, and uh, then just to get things in place that um, I didn't have and didn't know exactly what I needed. Yeah. So again, the great community here at Whatcom County selling me so uh, what I needed. What were you doing to be able to pay the bills at that point? Like, how are you making it go? Um, after we got this property? Yeah. Um, well, we were selling flowers mm-hmm. So and hoofing it. I mean, in the very, very beginning, how we started getting an income is uh, I, I did have um, my housing and a living because I was managing somebody else's property. I was living at their place. Okay. So just had utilities, you know, basic right. things. And um, <clears throat> we just uh, grew flowers and sold them to anybody that would buy them. Yeah. So that meant driving to florists, um, uh, talking to grocery stores. And eventually it just happened that we um, found a couple of uh, buyers at grocery stores that said, oh yeah, we'll buy your product. Mm. And uh, we'd take sample buckets and say, hey, look, this is what we can do and we can do it for you. And uh, so, you know, uh, they, they were gracious enough to give us a shot and mm-hmm. um then we just started you know tripling and quadrupling what we were growing every year and um yeah now we uh we have a little bit of a little bit of extra so you um you had kind of a, a philosophy though of of sustainability in in putting this all together right yeah i i think that in the beginning um you know it's a it's a very uh a romantic notion to think that you know you could just jump into the middle of something that we've been doing for hundreds of years yeah and make sense of it number one but uh getting back to the land you know growing our own food growing agricultural projects that we're reselling uh the idea was let's do that in a way that uh benefits uh nature and the world around us instead of takes away from it and i think you know there's so many people now that have just been awakened to a lot of the the flip side of that yeah uh, just making it profit at the cost of everything around you and i just in the community uh, that i'm in the agricultural community it's that i i don't know anybody who thinks that way because that's just like uh you know burning the bridge that you're walking on right so <laughs> yeah eventually that's a good analogy yeah it's you know i mean maybe burning it behind you as you're walking maybe <laughs> but, but still that's stupid and right and nobody does that i mean farmers understand okay so i've got to manage everything so that means keeping water on my field but doing it efficiently so i'm not spending all the money in <laughs> yeah. infrastructure electricity and just wearing everything out right so it's it's all about it's all about balancing everything out you yeah. know there's bugs on my vegetable well nobody really wants to eat vegetables with bugs mm-hmm. they don't so you got to do something to keep them off you can go out and pinch them all if you want <laughs> But, you know, that's going to limit the amount of vegetables you can grow effectively, right? So, uh, you know, all of those things, um, just really really understanding how the plant is growing, what it needs, how can you help it. Uh, So sustainability was a thing 
that we were um, we were striving for in the very beginning because there there are some family goals that we have, mm. and uh, the idea when when the opportunities started to present themselves because I say opportunities because it's it's almost like we've course corrected every year. We do one mm. thing, it's working great, and then uh, the customer decides, oh, we don't we don't need those sunflowers anymore. Okay, now what am I going to do with <laughs> a thousand thun- sunflowers a week for five more weeks? <laughs> Well, better find somebody else to sell them yeah. to. Uh, you know, it, when we started um, scaling up our Dahlia operation, we uh, were wholesaling them to another farmer who was then retailing them. And um, we said, great, how many, how many, what's the mark, you know, what, what's the limit? Like they said, oh, you, there's no limit. We're selling out. So as many tubers as you can give us, we will, uh, we will sell. And then they decided, you know what, we're going a different direction after we just bought a bunch of tubers. Um, but I mean this, uh, and I'm, we're indebted to this, uh, uh, it's Chris and Aaron Benzikane out of, out of Mount Vernon with Florette Flower Farm. We're indebted to them because Chris said, well, why don't you just retail your tubers? And I hmm. said, man, we can't, we can't do that. We're, we're not you. Like you're the, yeah. you're the picture perfect flower farmer. Everybody right? knows Florette now. They've become such a thing, right? Yeah. Well, I mean. Aaron posts a picture and uh, a bazillion people say, yay, I want to be just like you and own a flower farm. And so um, when they decided to stop selling tubers and start breeding their own, I had a bunch of tubers that I was planning on them selling. So Chris says, well, you just sell them. And I was like, I can't do that. We sold them. <laughs> nice. And uh, consequently, we've had to triple what we had the last couple of years. We keep tripling every year. This year, I've got about 20, 28, 29,000 in the ground. I still have, believe it or not, it's August and I'm still putting tubers in the ground. Really? Yeah. So I don't think I'll triple next year. I, 100,000 dahlias is too much for me. But, <laughs> but yes, yeah, safe to say that we have, uh, we're in the $30,000 or $30,000. Uh, dahlia range and mm-hmm. we're still we're selling most everything we we can and produce selling them to who just like online direct to the consumer or what yeah yeah uh online is uh the place where we sell our tubers and then fresh cut flowers we sell them everybody in the area um well anybody who wants them yeah <laughs> currently we just packed an order up for uh, charlie's produce mm-hmm. and um i was amazed to find out where they're going i said where where are these things going to end up i thought probably a chain in seattle and she goes actually these are going to Wyoming. I said, what? Wow. She goes, yeah, I'm not sure if these dahlias are going to Jackson Hole, but the last order we did with them went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I'm like, that is insane. So closer to home, we uh, we, we, uh, we sell Whole Foods. Uh, mm-hmm. They, they um, not all of their stores, but gen- ju- just about all of their Washington stores are using, uh, using our dahlias. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then the Metropolitan Market is a chain in Seattle. They get our stuff. A um, couple of their chains that sometimes order and sometimes don't. We'll just see how this, uh, how the new normal is. Yeah. We'll see if we still sell to those or not. But, Nobody um, knows really what's no, going to happen next. No. Yeah. So we're, we're just trying to stay flexible yeah. and uh, get ready to course correct again if we need to. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, uh, that's where we are now. <laughs> so how you, it's not just dahlias that you grow though, right? You, no. you kind of have a whole rotation going. Yes. And we, we used to grow more variety. 
Uh, but um, in the beginning, we grew more variety because we would we would really specifically kind of grow to what we uh, what our customers would say uh, they need. So when we were small, when we were selling to small florists, <clears throat> they would need they would really need us to succession plant everything so that they could have sunflowers whenever they needed them, or um, some of the more ethereal kind of delicate flowers. Uh, so we would grow lots of different kinds of those flowers where one particular flower like a cosmos, I mean, we might grow <clears throat> in the beginning now, we, we might grow uh, five or six different kinds, varieties, so that we could get the different colors so it would match what they needed. Mm-hmm. And um, that just, that's just, that's a lot of variety, a lot of planning. Fortunately, my wife uh, handles all the planning. <laughs> Um, so uh, that's what Same. we did. There you go. <laughs> Very good. So that's what we did in the beginning. And then we started to, to find that there was um, a bit more opportunity for us in the way that we were, uh, our overall goal was to grow more of less varieties. Mm. So again, in the beginning, you know, 150, 200 different types of stuff. Uh, that was insane. <laughs> like different types of dahlias or dahlias and all different kinds of flowers. Yeah, everything. Okay. Everything from, you know, uh, hellebore starts in the in the winter to ranunculus and enemy, you know, onto your summer flowers and your fall flowers. And wow. at the same time, on rented land, we didn't do a lot of this, but we started to establish some perennials. So we put in some roses and some hydrangeas and some stuff that we uh, knew was a long-term crop. Um, but yeah, now that we're on our own place, we're... We're uh, we're doing we're still doing that. We're putting in um, uh, we've got a couple thousand roses and we put in four new colors this year. So put in the uh, the coveted Coco Loco and Distant Drums and Honey Dijon and State of Grace. <laughs> so those are those are um, roses that you even even a designer can't go can't always go to the um, wholesaler and get them hmm. because they they they're just not um, they're not as bulletproof as some of the South American roses that are available. And so when we so find, that's the stuff that's in the grocery store kind of like all the time middle of winter that stuff's coming from south america middle of winter probably yeah, yeah. there's there's a lot of um a lot of great farms down there and i love the fact that as a because uh, part of what we do is also we design for events and weddings um not this year <laughs> yeah but right. uh yeah we had we had 60 two years ago 40 last 44 45 weddings last year and this year we uh everybody canceled except two wow <laughs> Now, fortunately, some of those that have canceled have actually, um, they just needed to do really small backyard ceremonies. So we'll sell them flowers, but it's yeah. not the whole, you know, yep. couple totally. thousand dollar flower budget. No, they, right. they, they're looking for $100 worth of flowers because <laughs> yeah. it's them yeah. and their in-laws. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, yeah, but with... Um, with the with the roses, um, the ones that are coming up in the winter, um, those are the, they're they're in the, for sale in the winter. Those uh, those are very sturdy and they've been bred so that they store well and that they um, ship well and um, that they last a long time. And and that's that's a little bit different than your grandmother's roses that you mm-hmm. went out there and smelled mm-hmm. and just remember her baking cookies and going out and watching yeah. walking through her flower garden. Yeah. So those are the kind of roses that we're growing. And I'm thankful for those South American flowers that produce flowers when we can't mm. but uh, i'm sure uh, i'm sure willing to put my flowers against them nice during season any day of the week local local that's where, that's and, where it's at yeah and it's just you know if they if you're getting a rose at a grocery store that's coming from south america that was picked sometimes 
uh, a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. right? Put on, put in cold storage, kind of like Han Solo from Star Wars, frozen, you know, not quite, but yeah. Uh, and then by the time it gets to your um, to the grocery store, a lot of those are going to a distribution center, and then it's taking another day to transit, and it's coming here. And I mean, by the time you get it here, it's it's already it's already almost on its last leg. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than when people get ear flowers, they're cut the same day. A lot of times, yep. Same day or, or day the day before. before. Yep. So we can condition them and, and get them to you so they're just in the perfect state. Awesome. Now, you you guys grow more than just flowers, though, too, right? You've got blueberries, other stuff. What else do you have? Yeah. The addictions are, they run deep. <laughs> yeah. So we did. We did addictions. I like that. Yeah. Well, I started just as a, a, a kind of a side note, I started keeping bees because we needed bees for the orchard. So I just started talking to the beekeeper, brought them in, and I thought, this is amazing. I love this. And he goes, well, you should buy a couple of hives. And I'm like, okay. So, bought, <laughs> so you're a beekeeper, so too. So I bought three three hives, and then he's like, well, you know, when if they're healthy and they're getting lots of nectar, you need to split them and make them, keep them healthy, keep them balanced. You split them. So I split them, and all of a sudden I had nine hives at the end of the year. And then I had 14, and <laughs> all of a sudden I turned around, I had 37 or 38 hives, and I was like, this is this is a problem. <laughs> Another addiction. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Um, so it's the same way with, uh, hey, I, I love good food mm-hmm. and uh, I love to grow things. And so I'll start I'll start planting some garlic. And then next thing you know, I'm like, ah, I got 600 feet of garlic. What am I going to do with 600 <laughs> feet of garlic? <laughs> so, yeah, we, we got a lot of vegetables. And what, what we kind of pivoted this last year is uh, growing vegetables and um, uh, just edible flowers so that we could use them for our events. Mm. However, our events... <laughs> All of our overnight retreats have been canceled. All these big plans that a lot of people have had related to events this year, 2020. Yes. (laughs) However, we've been eating really good here at Triple Ren Farms. (laughs) (laughs) These gourmet tomatoes and all these, uh, all the specialty sweet corn. Yeah. Uh, You you have a little U-Pick thing going on here too, right? Is that just for blueberries or can some of those other veggies go to people that way? Yeah, sometimes we do put other veggies in our stand, in our farm stand up there. But yeah, we when we got the property, it had two and a half acres of blueberries on it. Okay. And so uh, I and would rabble, rather... Or blueberries take a long time to establish. So, hey, they're already there. A lot of that work's been done. Right, right? yeah. So thank you to the person who planted them and maintained <laughs> them for the last couple of years. But yeah, they're they're actually about 30-year-old bushes. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so I don't do hardly anything to them. Uh, on, much to the chagrin of most of the blueberry farmers listening, I would imagine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mow them. And try to keep the blackberries out, but we don't, uh, I don't even have a water on them yet. Mm. Fortunately, most of them are in really good thick soil, so they yep. they can make it through. And this year, we've gotten the extra rain. Berries are huge, and they're delicious. So, um, yeah, with minimal effort, we're, we have a phenomenal blue pick, uh, blueberry for you pick. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a great way for people to pick blueberries, spend some time outside of their quarantine area, and uh, then walk through the flower fields. A lot of people love to do that. How many total acres do you have here? Uh, there's a little over 20. 20 acres. Or in the words of a wise farmer, I said, uh, I'm looking for about 20 acres. He goes, that's a lot of grass to mow. <laughs> <laughs> so should have listened a little bit more to uh, the, the wide sage, sage advice. Um, you know, the more property you get, the more uh, management it's going to take. So, yeah. 
yeah, five acres is looking pretty good right now. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't be able to produce nearly as much product as you do, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, there's uh, there's about six acres into flower production. Then I've got the blueberries, and I've just tilled up uh, another uh, four acres in the back that we're... Mm. Um, I'm just trying to trying to put the fertility back in there. For years, the um, the people who were here before me hate it, and um, that done well is great for your soil. Mm-hmm. But if you, but if you don't put any nutrition back in, or if you just mm-hmm. just cut and don't ever give back, so yeah, we're I'm in the process of putting some uh, dairy salads. My uh, my generous neighbor, Mr. Ed, has got uh, all some the manure. Yeah, he says uh, I asked him in the beginning. I said, Hey, do you mind if I grab some of that uh, pressed salads? And he said, Yeah. I mind if you grab a little, you should take it all. <laughs> so that sounds yeah. like Ed. He said, "I know your neighbor." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> I said, "Well, you want me to call and let you let you guys know that I'm I'm there picking it up? I'll just drive over and pick it up with my tractor because I'm next door." And he goes, do, you, "Do I want you to call?" Yeah. So people don't think I'm still. He goes, "Stealing poop?" He said, "Trust me, steal all the poop you want." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So so yeah, you grow cool. food, you grow flowers. Talk about your family. I mean, it's you guys are kind of doing it all, plus some extra crew that comes in at times for harvesting things, etc. Yeah, uh, of course, COVID changed all that, right? So we yeah. we uh, we normally have quite a bit bigger crew early spring. Um, and then harvesting, there's, um, you know, we ship thousands of stems every week. And so we just physically can't do that with two people. We tried. Yeah. It's not possible. So, um, yeah, there's about a dozen people that are seasonal. Uh, A couple of them are closer to full-time. And uh, this last year, um, pretty close to year-round, but still still just a little bit of gap when that COVID hit us. Yeah. So we had to scale that back, Um, especially with the, um, with inside the shipping and the, uh, the tasks that we had to do that was inside a barn, we couldn't really socially distance. Yeah. Um, and so that, that we just had to do all in-house. So it was mm-hmm. team pay buddy. Um, but work, yeah, work, work. yeah. But during the season, um, like I said, there's, there's about, uh, I think we're at 12, maybe, maybe 14 people. Um, and that, and that will drastically be reduced after we get our first frost. Cause the, from, from, um, from July till, for us, we get a frost the first week of October. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from then it's go time. We're uh, out in the field, cutting flowers, shipping flowers. Uh, and then once we get over that, then um, then the uh, uh, the wonderful task of working in the Pacific Northwest, October and November, digging the plants out of the ground, storing them, getting them ready for winter, uh, is a race against that freeze. Frost is one thing, but that freeze comes and yeah. if you didn't get it out of the ground before then, that's it. It'll, Game over. It'll kill the tuber. Yeah, yeah. Kill the tuber and any of the other plants that you were trying to grab. Now explain that with dahlias, because that's kind of your main thing. That's your claim to fame. And <laughs> you sell the flowers and you sell the tubers. Explain how that works. So they're not like a normal flower that you would grow from seed that people are used to. They have a tuber kind of like a potato Yes. that's in the ground, and then you save it for the next year. Not kind, of, Not really like bulbs, related, I guess, sort of, but... Perhaps distant cousins. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, so the dahlia is originally a Central American flower. Okay. So um, that's another reason why we love Central American flower farmers, because they gave us the dahlia. Yeah. So it was imported to Europe as a food crop, and then uh, right next they to- They ate the tubers? They, you can eat the tubers. They're low fibrous, and yeah. um, they don't taste as good as those Idaho golds. Yeah, I would imagine. So, so quickly, people said, this is way too much work to yeah. get- to get something subpar to a potato, but the flowers are amazing. 
So then they started making it to the gardens. Hmm. And um, I don't know how long they've been really popular. They seems to got they seem to have recently got a surge. Yeah. Um, probably in part to Florette and maybe some other uh, some other big names out there. But uh, when when we uh, first started growing them, we were just growing them just for the cuts. And uh, now we we uh, grow them for every all of the above. We grow them for the cuts for the tubers, and then uh, we're doing some breeding just a little mm. bit. But yeah, in the uh, in the spring uh, around here with this climate, we usually shoot. We usually tell people to go for uh, around Mother's Day. You want to get your tubers in the ground, mm. and um, then. And just wait. Soil warms up. They start popping out, and they'll flower all the way until uh, if they're cared for. <laughs> yeah. If you keep water on them, keep them fed, and uh, you keep cutting them. Believe it or not, if you stop cutting the dahlias, it doesn't flower as much because it starts putting seed pods. Oh, okay. Signals for the plant yeah. to, that it's going to reproduce that way. So it'll reproduce with seeds, and it'll also reproduce uh, with tubers. So while you're seeing those seed pods up top, it's producing tubers down below. And uh, what comes out of the seed is not going to be the same flower that formed that seed pod. There's, there's a because it's a cross, right? Well, yes. In the in the way that I don't know, just the way that dahlia is made, a seed doesn't come true. Sometimes it'll be very close. It'll Mm -hmm. have the same color, maybe even the same form factor, but it's never the same flower. Uh, The tubers, however, are exactly the same. Right. So uh, we we bring those up in, like I said, in October, dig them up and uh, store them and then divide them and sell some of them and plant some of them and do it all again. (laughs) Rinse, rinse, sleep, repeat. (laughs) I can't remember how that thing goes, but yeah, we do a lot of that around here. So it's you and your wife and then you have... Two kids? Two kids, yes. Uh, fortunately, my son is getting uh, old enough now that I can put him on the mower and say, all right, go put in your uh, couple hours of mowing. <laughs> and uh, he has joined the harvest crew for some of uh, some of that. So it's just such a mad rush because there's a window where you can harvest the flowers mm. and have a pristine product that uh, once it gets to be about 10 o'clock in the morning, that, that window is done. Really? Yeah, and we, we've tried starting really early, but um, with our crew, we generally don't start before 6. So 6 to... 10 is when we're all hands on go, deck. Go, 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 go. Yeah, yeah. And mm. of course, Sarah and I sometimes will be out here as soon as we can start to see. Yeah. Um, and then um, take a little break for the heat of the day uh, and just do other stuff where we weed. That never seems to stop around here. Mow, yeah. you know, tie up flowers and get our, our stuff straightened up. And um, and then in the cool of the evening, a lot of times we're coming back out to harvest more flowers. So, uh, yeah, that's why we have so many hands on deck. And so my son's gotten incorporated into that. My daughter cuts flowers, but generally not that we're going to resell. She loves the design and she's got four or five arrangements in her bedroom right now. So <laughs> it's uh, it's great. Now, isn't she part of the name? Of the farm too. She where where did Triple is. Wren come from? Yeah, how did... so you got to be in the circle of trust to know that. Oh, yes. Wow. Now, so in <laughs> in the in the very beginning, when we realized, hey, this this farming, uh, uh, it really is hard work. We we gotta we gotta have a plan. If we're gonna do this, we're we're gonna have to go all in. And so we decided, well, what 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 motivation do we need to get out of bed at five in the morning? Okay, well, we we can build something for our kids. Maybe they don't want to go into agriculture. I'm not sure, but we want to at least give them the opportunity. So our stewardship of the land, our stewardship of our opportunity, all that went into why we initially started doing this. And we thought, what's a cool name? Well, my son is Stephen George Paybody the third. 
So there's the triple. <laughs> and my daughter's name is Chloe Wren. So there's the Wren, Triple Wren Farms. So got it. With so any it's luck. named after your children. It is. Yeah. Like I said, that's cool. You got it. Something's got to get you out of bed in the morning and keep you going till midnight at night sometimes. Well, part of though, I would say from what I've seen of you guys, what you guys do, part of your success has to do with how you've branded yourself too. That people recognize who you are. You stand for something. We'll talk about that. How, how did how did that come about? How did you decide? I mean, you explain how the name came about. How did you do the branding? How big of a role has that kind of played in how you have put this together? Well, I think that um, with the popularity of social media, people are looking for stuff out there that they connect with. Yeah. Everybody loves flowers. So at the very beginning, we just started really picking up on the need to have good photography of the flowers we grow. There's yeah. a, I, I, I'm always reminded of this, especially here in Whatcom County, there are some incredible farmers here. There's some, some incredible growers of flowers. And I'm surprised uh, nearly every year I, I learn of another incredible farmer or incredible grower, but nobody knows about them. Yeah. Right, the 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 people that know about them have met them or know somebody who knows them. Right, <laughs> that's uh, why I'm doing this podcast because I want to go and get to know these people and allow a lot of other people to join in and also get to know them and like know their heart, you know, yeah, for what they're doing. That's that's a that's a very lofty goal. That's great. So yeah, so we realized very quickly that we needed to present ourselves on social media, and even though. Most farmers don't want to take the time yeah. <laughs> to put content up, whether that's just pictures and a funny picture about what the cow is doing that day. Uh, like Erica, she's doing a great job with her. The word, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's, Farmer girl. Oh, she's episode three she's, of the podcast. Oh, my, is she? My third, my third interview I'm, on Real Food, Real People. You can go back in the archives and look at it. I don't know or, if I heard that one. I've heard most it, of I yours, guess. but I, I might have missed that yeah. one. So Sorry, Erica. I'll go immediately today <laughs> and listen to your episode. Uh so yeah, I mean, just the just that connection. It really is just giving people a window into what you're doing, and uh, we try not to put pictures of us digging the dahlias in October when everybody's fingers are numb and it's nasty outside, <laughs> yeah. and you're just having to find joy from inside to keep. But doing isn't your that dahlia. reality? That is, and we we do post those occasionally, <laughs> but mostly what we post is, hey, do this kind of hard labor and look what it's going to do. Yeah, and the flower and the beautiful side of it and not fo- try not try not to um, uh, gloss over the negatives yeah because it doesn't matter what you do in life there's parts of that that you're not going to like mm-hmm. if I was an accountant it would be most of that job <laughs> but there's there's some incredible things about an accountant's job I love accountants <laughs> so uh, this is the highlight of what we do yeah. you see the finished product or you get to taste the produce or the blueberries or you get to have that perfect warty twisted pumpkin on your front porch <laughs> that's right that I grew pumpkins too yeah yeah we got a pumpkin patch in the fall um, but yeah if you uh, if you have the opportunity to come to a farm you get that window but then you kind of say hey remember when we went to triple rent <laughs> farm and yeah. ran to that dahlia festival that they have I would like to grow some of those here and get on our Instagram or go to our webpage and you can see what flowers are available it's just off to the races from there okay go, give us the shameless plug what's the web address triplerenfarms.com 
That's easy, easy to remember. Easy peasy. Yeah, and farms is plural. That's the only thing that confused some people. And at Triple Ren Farms, I think, too, is the like social media handle. Yeah. I don't know. The, the autofill thing will come up. Yeah, um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, the, the Facebook, the Instagram. I'm not really posting on Twitter anymore, but all those other platforms we're trying to get away from and just focus on a couple of them. Yeah. So, but you said earlier to me when we were setting up here, you have a background in IT as well. <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody that. They'll call me for their computer problems. <laughs> well, they'll call you for their flowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I was in IT for a little while um, yeah. and uh, was basically on upgrading systems. So the mm. hardware side of things. Back when, back before uh, 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 the operating systems were so intuitive and you actually had to uh, tell them where to go to access the hardware pieces or to the system boards or the memory. Back when you had to you know get down and dirty with that stuff. Now <clears throat> you just go buy it from the store, plug it in. And it, <laughs> and it works. Yeah, it, the, the wizards that come now are, yeah, <laughs> that's crossed. true. Yeah, as I saw you messing messing around trying to get everything to sync up yeah. yeah but so yeah i have a little background in that but uh don't don't really delve into that too much these days what's what's it like dealing with stress on the farm because i mean you come from a different background not from farming so you've experienced stress in different realms you know doing it and doing stuff like dealing with camps and being like a minister and now farming and they all have their own kinds of stress. How do you compare all those and, and what have you learned through that journey how to deal with that? Um, not quite sure how to answer that. I, stresses are different, yeah. right? And, and, and sometimes it may be a guilty pleasure of mine to just get out in the fields and just weed dahlias <laughs> or, or get on the tractor and just mow. Let uh, the stress go. <laughs> right. Yeah. When you're dealing with people, you, you, um, you, you just have to have to be a lot more observant because everybody's problems aren't the same. Uh, everybody's uh, recollection of the truth isn't the same. Yeah. And so everything's so different, uh, especially in our climate today. Uh, just so many things to think about and consider and um, just to be gracious with. Yeah. Uh, so um, I, I think that um, maybe part of uh, part of the blessing of going of, of having those different stress levels is I, I realize a crop failure is not that big a deal. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it, it certainly could uh, alter my future. Yeah. Or it will alter my future. Let me just clarify that. Uh, and, it, and it may inform what we do next year. But, uh, you know, spring is coming. There's a new season on yeah. the horizon. Uh, and and so you, you've dealt with more stressful things than that in the past. Gives yeah. you a different perspective. Yeah. People dealing with interpersonal problems or with pressures that are life altering, um, you know, stakes are so much higher when you're dealing with that. And as opposed to this, we, we, uh, we're going to get another shot next year. To do it all again. Yeah. <laughs> so whether pros that's a good or bad thing, it's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Pros and cons. You put in uh, you put in ten acres of raspberries and lose those raspberries. Yeah. It takes you a while to recover. Or yeah. some of our our longer term crops. Yeah. If if we mess up with those, the the stakes are higher. But at the end of the day, we can recover from those. And so with all of the pressures that's going on, and with all of the uncertainty in our society right now in the world. Um, those are uh, those are much more monumentous as opposed to where am I going to sell my flowers? I I'm concerned that I can sell all my flowers and uh, uh, not to backtrack, but all of our planning this last January was for events, right? Overnight retreats. We got these cute little I say cute like I know what cute means, right? <laughs> but according to my wife, it's this cute little setup. Uh, I, I just look at it as a lot of extra <laughs> extremities. <laughs> 
lights and twinkle lights and lanterns. We that, won't. We won't tell. We yeah. won't tell her that you she w- think that. Hopefully, she won't listen to this. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> now, but she spent a lot of time and a lot of effort making them just feel nice and romantic and homey. And you get into these little tents, so that's what you can do for overnight. And then, in conjunction with that, having some different focuses in our workshops or our. Um, our, uh, we do we do farmer training. We do we got a we had a dahlia camp set up for this year, trying to still pull that off in a, a different kind of way, um, and and all of that kind of uh, has changed. So those mm-hmm. those kind of stresses and those kind of pressures are related to what's going on right now, but um, yeah, they're manageable. They're manageable because at the end of the day, you got to get out here, got to keep your plants alive, yeah. manage everything, and then uh, you just look at the flowers. Listen to the rooster crow in the background. Go out, feed the hogs, feed the animals. Everything's good again. When you made the decision to go into this farming thing, did you go full time with it right away, or were you kind of still part time? That was a side hustle, and then it. Yes. Yeah, so, so for me, it was it was it was unusual. Is because somebody asked me to manage their property. Right. So they they did that again. That covered the land. I didn't I didn't have to right. make a land payment. I didn't have. Um, uh, I didn't have to worry about rent because I was living in their house. Uh, but I was also working off farm, like mm. I think most farmers actually do. <laughs> yeah. uh, so working off farm and then um, the flowers kind of, like I said, started as a, just a, an idea my wife had about what to do and uh, or just about an experiment she was doing that was successful. And so then what happened is we kept growing and I would work on it before work and after work. Yeah. And uh, um, it just got so um, so big so fast that I stopped uh, my off-farm employment and then just jumped in both feet full steam ahead. Was that scary? Um, it probably should have been. <laughs> Again, not paying to paying attention to those, uh, to the sage advice that I was being given. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. Uh, but it's, th- we were just, um, uh, we just were running into so many opportunities so quickly that, uh, it wasn't that scary because I was, I, I was, I came to the point to where we had more opportunity than we had product. And so what we needed was to grow more flowers. Mm-hmm. So once we started doing that, then, uh, you know, the income came in at least for a little while. <laughs> did, have you had a moment where you're like, why did I do this? Where you're not sure if you're going to make it. I know farmers kind of go ride that roller coaster where things are great. And then they go through the valleys where things are like, I don't know. I'm not sure if this is going to work. Yeah. I think most small farmers anyways, probably are there every year yeah. <laughs> and they yeah. go, okay. So we big did, farmers, believe we, it or not. Yeah, too. <laughs> yeah. Probably now, especially I know some, some dairy guys that are just like, we gave away more milk this in the in the scariest times than yeah. um than we you know years to make that to recover yeah. that so um yeah. yeah sometimes it's good to be a small farmer <laughs> yeah double-edged Cause, sword because 2400 head of milking cows don't stop producing no. milk no and don't stop eating yeah you can't wait and have them produce milk when it's worth more right yeah well <laughs> we'll, we'll wait until everything gets back to normal and then we'll start milking again yeah no nah, just unfortunately that's not yeah. reality yeah so how with COVID, how is how are you? It sounds like you guys are managing, even though it's probably hurt the bottom line pretty badly. Yeah. Um, again, I think the uh, the thing about farming is is not only is there the the science of growing and just everything it has to do with that, but there's there's also a farmer has to at some degree be a 
entrepreneur or a businessman. And I think the key to entrepreneurship is flexibility. Mm. (laughs) Seeing opportunity, seeing a hole in the market and filling it. Nobody grows good sweet corn. Okay, I'm going to grow sweet sweet corn. You know, nobody, uh, we don't, we don't have a good, um, uh, a good beef producer. And I know we have great producers here in Whatcom. You're just saying hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. (laughs) Nobody's growing ostrich in Whatcom County. So that's a great thing for somebody to be in if there's a market for yeah, it. Yeah, true. Not really right. sure that that would be a, a yeah. first choice. But I thought there was somebody who did that oh, or does that. I, I probably offended somebody. They're like, what? I got all these ostrich. <laughs> <laughs> so if you grow ostrich, uh, let me know. I'll get some ostrich from you. Uh, yeah, so the the um, the aspect of having to shift and to pivot, I think is is in, you know, kind of in the whole, I mean, that's what you sign up for. Uh, sometimes Helps with an easier. annual crop too. It's easier than a perennial crop like you're talking about. It is. Uh, yeah. So, and fortunately we have, uh, we have plenty of annuals, but we have some perennials that kind of, yeah. it helps too with that, right? So you, you get a infestation of something and it knocks out one crop and okay, well, we, we do still have blueberries. Yeah. <laughs> we do still have roses and hydrangeas yeah. and all the other stuff. So yeah. Um, but in answer to your question, I, th- I think just really trying to um, filter everything that we know is happening and realizing where the potential is and then it's kind of shifting. Uh, I got a good friend down in Seattle and his whole business, his whole, um, and he is, uh, I don't know how many people he's got working for him, but he is a, he's a wedding. Um, uh, what does he call himself? Uh, he does everything. Like he'll, he'll do the catering. He'll do the planning. He'll do the flowers. He'll do, he'll set up the whole venue. So wow. yeah, he's, he's a little bit amazing, I think. Yeah. Uh, but when this whole thing happened, of course, all of his events just said, nope, we're not going to do them. And so he's, he's just doing something different until he can do weddings again. Cause that's what he really loves to do. Uh, he loves to choose the, you know, the linens and the everything, make it just perfect for you. And so um, in the meantime, he did a, a pop-up shop. He was uh, doing um, little arrangements with uh, some accents for your home decor. And I thought, man, there's nothing that guy can't do. Yeah. <laughs> but he shifted because he obviously wants to take care of his employees and feed his family. Yeah. Uh, and he put too much time and effort into his business to just watch it fly away. So he... It's something different. It's working. And he'll probably, well, not probably, I know he's anxious to get back into the, the wedding game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. As I, I would guess your wife probably is too. Yes. Yes. Um, we There's a little bit of sadness that uh, so many of our weddings canceled and uh, more of them postponed. Uh, but again, it just gives us the opportunity to do something different in the meantime. Yeah. Uh, pretty convinced that they're not going to go away. People are still going to get married, and they're still going to want to uh, have a, a, a nice spread uh, with flowers. Mm-hmm. And so I know that'll come back eventually. Uh, it may be different, and uh, yeah. we'll pivot in accordance <laughs> and meet the meet what what people need when it when it starts to uh, run again. Pivot. It's, pivot. It's the word of the day. That's there you go. I love that <laughs> word. Probably use it too much. What's been the scariest moment in? this whole journey well uh you might be referring to my health episode well or anything else that but i know that you almost died i yeah at one point according to my nurse i died several times he just kept bringing me back (laughs) well yeah i was uh i didn't realize this in high school but i was born with a heart defect and um 
I uh, didn't discover it until I wanted to go out for football. And uh, mm. they said, you have to have a physical. And so I did. And the doctor said, oh, you got a heart murmur. And I said, mm. what does that mean? He goes, eh, don't worry about it. It's stunted your growth and caused severe mental retardation. But other than that, you're good. He actually said that to you? <laughs> he did. He was a football <laughs> doctor, man. So, so he was just trying to rattle your cage. Yeah. Football doctors are not known for their bedside manners. As a matter of fact, <laughs> completely opposite, right? He's a great football doctor. Uh, uh, you got to know your audience when you say something like that. I know there are some kids who'd be like, and be yeah, totally yeah. crushed, but yeah, that, apparently no, no. you were okay with it. You got uh, that he was joking. I understood that, yes. Uh, not the smartest uh, smartest guy in the room, but eventually things trickle down, and I yeah. do I do perceive the, uh, the intended jest. So, yeah, I, I didn't really worry about it. Then I got to college after a couple of years, uh, they looked at me again and they said, this has gotten a lot worse. You, you should consider, uh, having surgery. Mm. Um, and I said, okay. And they said, actually, you're going to have to have surgery eventually. Cause this is not going to resolve itself just mm. in the short amount of time that they had done and done some tests when I was in high school to when I was junior in college. Mm. And so, um, the ironic thing is, uh, I left college and I went to a youth camp where I was doing <laughs> manual labor and my health increased. I was, mm. you know, working hard every day. and uh, So you days. had been getting checked because your health wasn't doing well? Like you were, what, fatigued or something? Yeah, there was a flu that went on in, okay. at the college that I went to. And, you know, a third of the college got sick with this flu. So I was mm. in the, in the they had their little um, on-campus hospital. And they said, um, hey, we hear something weird going on with your heart. I'm like, oh, yeah. I said very arrogantly, wow, you're a pretty good doctor because not everybody <laughs> catches that heart murmur. <laughs> And uh, she says, well, my specialty is cardiovascular health. So, yeah, I'm going to catch any flutter that you have. So when she looked wow. at the, uh, my echocardiogram, the test that they had done, she said, I, I want you to have another one because this sounds significant. And then, thankfully, she, uh, she said, no, this is a big deal for you. So, again, we took it really serious, and I limited all my physical activity, and uh, my health actually started to decline when they, they gave me a key to the elevator in the, in the student building so I could ride the elevator to the third floor instead of walk up the steps. Mm. And I was in the dormitories on the third floor as well, and they moved me to the first floor so I didn't have to use the steps. Right. And mm. all of that stuff uh, affected me negatively when I stopped doing it. So after college, I went to a youth camp. Was I, th- I maybe a bit uh, uh, naively just threw caution to the wind and said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump here because this is awesome fun. And So you start using your body and you get that energy back. I did. I did, and I started and getting so healthy again. You're probably thinking, I'm fine. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to walk it off. All right? Isn't that what all guys say? Ah, just yeah. let me walk it off. So um, that worked for... Uh, well, it's been a couple of years since I've been in college, I'll be honest with you. And uh, so, but now, you know, uh, uh, in my 40s and farming, um, things are going well for so a while. So you still hadn't done anything with it? No. And um, I am originally from the East Coast. So okay. I was under a, a, a cardiologist care there. And when I moved out here, I conveniently... Uh, <laughs> Didn't find one out here for a couple of years, <laughs> uh, much to on. my wife's chagrin. Yeah. Finally, uh, finally, uh, sense prevailed, and she convinced me to go to a, a, a local cardiologist. And they said, "Okay, well, you're doing manual labor, uh, and um, you look good. So I think we just look at it." And I said, "Well, uh, you think I'm? You think I can get away from surgery?" <laughs> my my, uh, my uh, cardiologist is Dr. Tom Oliver, and he said, oh, no, 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 We're, you're going to go under the knife for sure. But we can probably put it, you're the best judge of when we need to do that. Mm. And so um, just yearly checkups. 
and uh, then 2017 came around. Uh, we got this. We got this farm that we're on in 2016. Didn't really get settled on it until you know 2017. But that's when things really started to kick off, and we expanded drastically. Uh, but then my health started <laughs> declining, uh, and I didn't understand. Hey, it's getting harder and harder to do what was already kind of difficult. Mm. And um, then in 2018, it really started to plummet. Um, and so then we had a surgery scheduled. I went in, um, went through surgery fine, mm. uh, and was actually walking right after surgery. And the doctor uh, told me, my surgeon said, you're going to be out of here in a couple of days. This is amazing. He says, you're walking. This is a good sign. Most people take some, you know, a good half a week to a week to get out of the hospital after open heart. But yeah, you can maybe, let's see, let's see if you can do it in three days, four days. I'm like, all right, you're on. Then my heart rebelled. <laughs> this is why you're still at the hospital? Yes, fortunately. Fortunately, yeah. Another day, then I just real lethargic and thinking, what's going on? My heart was beating real fast and it would slow down and it was having trouble regulating. Mm. Um, with the, the, the surgery was pretty extensive. They yeah. replaced my entire aortic root and um, a, a couple of valves. While they were in there, they did a couple other things that are helpful. Uh, they wouldn't normally do unless they already have you opened up. But they're like, hey, <laughs> while you're open, let's go yeah. ahead and put a clamp here and let's put a, yeah. a safeguard here. And so uh, great I can't say enough good things about uh, my cardiologist over at uh, uh, North Cascade Cardiology with Peace mm-hmm. Health. Uh, but when uh, when things started to come to a head, the, the heart would beat about three times what it was supposed to, and then it would drop down. And uh, it was dropping down into the 20s, the 30s and the 20s beats per minute. So uh, if you know anything about your heartbeat, that's not good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Even for super athletes, uh, 30 beats per minute is too too slow. Mm-hmm. So um, and then it just gave out. Fortunately, my nurse, shout out to Aaron. Thank you very much, Aaron. He uh, he kind of foresaw that things were going south fast, and so he got me all hooked up to this special machine that you know. So it, your heart stopped then, and and while he was hooking you up, or what? No, he was quicker than that. He he, he said, knew that something was going to happen, and he needed to hook you up. He said, "I think you don't need this, but you know, just so that the doctor knows that I'm going, uh, I'm thinking outside, you know, thinking uh, forward." I'm going to put these things on you. So he put those pads on me, strapped them on. He's got probably me saying that, but inside he's like, this is not looking yeah. good with this guy. Yeah, right? he's, he's probably saying, I'm about to lose this guy. So uh, we're still joking around, having a good time. And um, I was on, obviously, a lot of painkillers, opiates. So yeah. I was having a good time no matter what. <laughs> but then, yeah, then it, uh, it it just started dropping, dropping, dropping. And then we got down to 20, 20 beats a minute. And he said, if it goes below this, I'm, I'm giving him the needle. The uh, epinephrine, I think. Wow. Amazing. It's amazing how much of the stuff that uh, 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 you remember when you're right in the middle of it <laughs> or crazy. don't remember and yeah. are, are refreshed. But, yeah, he, he had to uh, give me that shot a couple of times, and it didn't work, and then heart just stopped. So they uh, they brought me back, and then they put me on that external pacemaker, and it kept shocking me when my heart would stop beating. And So, so your heart stopped beating more than once. Yes. Well, you're, you know, your heart beats. Right. Uh, how many times a minute? Right. Hopefully in the in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when it, when it beats slower than that, um, it's a problem. But then when it stops beating, it's a serious problem. Yeah. So yeah, he, uh, he, he put me on that very nice machine that causes a little bit of pain, but the reward is worth it. (laughs) So they're basically, it's like hooked up to you, but it's like giving you the paddles. 
that you hear about in the ambulance kind of thing. Yeah, just not with a full charge, right? Because your, your heart, my heart just needed, needed a little bit of encouragement after after mm. they got me going again. And uh, then they immediately took me to surgery and put a pacemaker in to keep that thing going. So how many times did your heart stop? Uh, I don't know. I know every time it got below a certain amount, that machine uh, uh, took over and mm. gave me a charge. So then it would beat again faster. So I think that's the main thing is that that thing kept my heart up to where I was getting enough oxygen. So more mental retardation wasn't oh. kicking in. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So yeah. that's like knocking on death's door if your heart is continually stopping. What, what, what did they find out? What was going, how did they fix it? Uh, in the words of my cardiologist, sometimes your heart just throws a hissy fit after we go in and touch it. So, I mean, the, the medicine... A, a number of the doctors told me this. They said, wow. we call it practicing medicine for a reason. <laughs> as much no as they way. know, there's always there's always a loop. There's there's mm-hmm. always something unexpected. So everything looked like it was going smooth. Uh, I thought it was recovering smooth. Um, a small part of me said no. <laughs> so, yeah, I am thankful for the uh, care I got at the, uh, at the hospital and the extra mile that the nursing staff and the doctors gave me. And here we are, ready they, to do it again. They saved your life. I think so. I think several times, probably. Wow. The good news is uh, those nurses, yeah. I told them, I said, you guys saved my life and uh, uh, I'm, I, I can't really return the favor, but you get free blueberries for life, <laughs> free flowers for life. So uh, it's been a pretty <laughs> joyful reunion to have some of my nurses come back out here and a couple of my doctors uh, visit me uh, during season. And Amazing. Yeah, I'm able to send them home with honey from my hives, gourds, zucchinis, produce, flowers, blueberries. Take it, take it all. Eggs, you know. So that's amazing. Life is sweet, especially when you almost didn't have it. So makes you thankful. And it makes the stresses and the, the, the plates that you have to juggle almost, almost manageable. <laughs> That's quite the story. I mean, what, what, how does that change what your future is going to look like? What you end up doing, you know, next year, 10 years down the road, whatever your plan is with this farm? Uh, well, the, the goal is, um, you know, to, to continue to grow it to where it's sustainable, right? Not only, not only the fertility in the soil right. so that it can sustain more growth and different crops, but uh, uh, on the business side that it's um, paying for itself and it gets to a, um, we're, we're, our plans are to grow it to where we can have more than one full-time person or, you know, with Sarah and I, m- more than just a couple of us full-time mm-hmm. so that um, we have opportunity to do other stuff. Like There's, take a week off and go on vacation? Hey, let's not get crazy here. <laughs> we do this because we love it. We don't want to go away from it. <laughs> Every farmer I talk to on this podcast, <laughs> what's a vacation? What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, from midnight to four in the morning. That's my vacation. <laughs> yeah. Every day. Take one every day. Oh, man. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, just uh, um, we're trying real hard to uh, pour ourselves into our kids. And when you are pulling long hours, sometimes you kind of, that kind of gets out of balance. So having the ability to take a day and do something fun with your kids or, you know, my son is into archery. So I'm, I've, I've told him for a couple of weeks now, hey, let's, let's build a target, a better stand for you yeah. so it can... So, uh, yeah, I've got the wood, but I haven't assembled it yet. So getting to a stage to where we're we're, uh, uh, focusing on what's really important for our future, for our kids' future, at the same time continuing to... uh, enjoy the the benefit of capitalism we can build a business that that uh yeah 
that provides for our livelihood and others and uh, really does something impactful in our community. Uh, there's nowhere else in Whatcom County that you can come and see 30,000 flowering plants that I, well, excuse me, let me, let me take that back. Because I guess everybody that has vegetables, you're, they're always flowering, right? Just, just maybe not quite as beautiful yeah. as yeah. the flowers that I have. Thank you so much for sharing your story and having me out here to the farm. I mean, this is amazing out here. And what you guys are doing is really, really cool. But the story is the best part. <laughs> now, that, that journey that you guys have been on to get where you are, really, really cool stuff. Well, thanks. I uh, appreciate you having me on. And it's always good to talk with you. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. It was pretty cool to, to record that episode surrounded by flowers in the middle of the field. We're going to work on getting the full video of it up on YouTube. Sure would appreciate if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Thank you again for being here on the Real Food, Real People podcast and supporting us by sharing our content far and wide to help grow the circle of those of us who are getting to know the real people behind our food. Find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And of course, check out realfoodrealpeople.org. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming, giving a voice to Washington's farm families. Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org and by Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting Washington dairy farmers, connecting consumers to agriculture, and inspiring the desire for local dairy. Find out more at wadairy.org.